With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, here with my co-host tonight, Michelle Claire. How are you, Michelle? I am wonderful. How are you doing tonight, Patricia? I'm good, but I am so tired of the snow. I'm ready for it to go away. I really am. And well, today is, what, here. March 2nd? I know, i got to come to yeah, Phoenix to get rid of the snow in New England. There's no snow here. It's 87 today or something like that. Oh, so you need to Send come it visit. over. Send it over. We need it. <laughs> we need the warmth. Oh, my goodness. But today's already March 2nd. Wow, how about that, huh? So time is moving pretty quickly, that's for sure. Now, do you have some new events coming up? Well, this Saturday, if you're in the Phoenix area, you can come up to Scottsdale. We are doing a sound and energy healing, and part of that will also be a mediumship reading. So that's in North Scottsdale. You can get tickets to those on my website. So I'm looking forward to spending that time with people. Oh, that's going to be fun. Again, you always do such a great job with these. So, yes, everybody should join in. And, of course, tonight... Our hearts and minds are with the Ukraine and everything these people are going through uh, in this at this terrible time. It's, it's a very tough time for everybody. And I heard from someone mm-hmm. that received a note from a pastor, a very interesting note, that basically said, look, please keep praying for us. Your prayers are working. And he sent a photograph of some type of missile that was embedded in the asphalt, kind of standing straight up. It never exploded. It hit, and it didn't explode. And he was saying, this is what I'm talking about. You know, your prayers are working. Please keep thinking of us. Keep praying for us. So, of course, that's what we do at Supernatural Girls. We always do that when people ask for help. Mm -hmm. And certainly at this time and in this place, they don't even have to ask. We know to do this. So, of course, we will be Absolutely. offering yeah, prayers and, and safety for everyone. We hope this comes to a peaceful conclusion. And despite what's going on right now, we're holding out for a miracle. We may need several, but that's what we're holding out for here for everybody. 
So it's it's interesting. I, I think think of my grandparents, both Ukrainian. So my goodness, I don't know what they would think about this today. So anyhow, our blessings go out to everybody in the Ukraine tonight and all the people that had to leave the Ukraine and seek refuge in other countries also. And we're praying for their safety everywhere. And everybody's safety. We all need to be safe, right? We all need to feel safe in a tumultuous world. So tonight I also wanted to just add, please go to our Facebook page. Take a look at some of those stories there. We've had some interesting ones come up, as usual. Everybody's spotting a lot of UFOs. That's out there on the on the Facebook page and many other things. So take a look there. Make sure you follow us, like us on Twitter as well. And we are going to be offering some more information about health products. So as you know, I'm big into health, big into providing alternatives mm-hmm. Uh, types of solutions to people with especially chronic health problems. Now, on our website, SupernaturalGirls, and that's with a Z, dot com, on the first page, if you scroll down, you will see new technology that you can get or you can ask your practitioner to get for you. I don't sell these things, but there are links on the first page of Supernatural Girls where you can click onto it and go right to the page where the person in charge can give you more information. We have the energy machine, which is photosynthesized water and oxygen delivered into the lungs. We also have the red laser watch and a multicolored laser watch from Dr. Weber in Germany, as well as other products that he sells. He also has a virus package, which they found in Germany, was able to get rid of COVID within three days. So lots of interesting mm. things. We're going to be posting more because I'm coming in contact with more and more reputable companies that have something really leading edge to offer. So anybody who's interested in those types of health things, go to that page. And if you have any questions, you can always email me. I'm happy to answer. I don't put anything there that I haven't looked into myself. And I just ordered my own Tesla coil. These are the coils they use to make the med beds where they are now testing Parkinson patients to see how well they respond in their healing when they sleep on these med beds. Now, I like that kind of thing because then you don't have to do anything except show up. (laughs) Right. Sleep. Isn't that great? (laughs) Or you can buy this little Tesla coil and you can put it under your bed. You know, there's no pills to take. It's like, hey, I'm all for this. I like it. I'm going to report back to everybody on this Tesla coil and what I find it does or does not do. I'll be very straightforward with all of you about it, of course. So I should be getting that tomorrow. So by next week, I should have an idea of how well this works. So be sure to let you know. I'm so excited. And yes, let us yeah. know. I will. I will. This, this one is not horribly expensive. It's actually somewhat affordable. So I like that, too. That's a good point. So tonight we have such a fascinating guest. We have Dr. Stephen Farmer, and he's the author of a new book about animal spirits, and we want to know everything he has to tell us about this. Now, he's a renowned animal spirit guy. And he, in his book, explains how profound encounters, these very profound encounters with spirit animals, 
affirm our intimacy with the animal world and with the world of spirit. His wisdom will help you understand your own spirit animal symbolism and the five major ways that spirit animals can speak to you and how to discern their messages. Now, all very important information. Now, Dr. Farmer is also a licensed psychotherapist, a soul healer, and he has actually several best-selling books and oracle cards available, including Animal Spirit Guides, Earth Magic, Earth Magic Oracle Cards, Children's Spirit Animal Cards, that sounds very interesting, Healing Ancestral Karma, and his newest book, which is Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals, and he also has more oracle cards, The Shaman's Path. So, very exciting stuff. Dr. Stephen Farmer, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That's quite an introduction. Thank you very much. Good to be on the show. Oh, we're loving having you here already. We talked to you again to, but before we even got on the air and got all excited about what you're going to tell us tonight. But <laughs> how did you get into this aspect of psychotherapy? What is it that drew you in? Well, it, it really isn't specifically an aspect of psychotherapy. Uh, as a licensed therapist, which I got licensed, my God, I hate to say this, but it was 1975 I, uh, after um, – doing the necessary training and studying in school and all that, <clears throat> I was able to get a license as a marriage and family uh, therapist, and which were allowed to uh, legally call ourselves psychotherapists because I felt like my work was broader than that. So anyway, I developed a very successful practice, you know, doing good work. People kept showing up, you know, referrals would come in, et cetera. And then um, I hit a place about, uh, oh, more than, I'd say, close to 27, 28 years ago, I just started feeling a little restless, like there's something more here. I, I had gone through a process of, I would call it awakening to spirituality and, uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, doing various uh, or, organizations, Church of Religious Science, a uh, group in Vancouver that uh, turned out to be a cult, but I spent, a, you know, a few months there. And I didn't drink the Kool-Aid, fortunately, but in retrospect, <laughs> it, it turned out to be very cultic. But I also got a lot from it, too, you know, and I'm really happy I did that. So I'm just glad I set the boundary there. Anyway, with that opening, I also began to look at something called shamanism. Um, I was handed by a friend of mine uh, or suggested a book called The Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner who in retrospect, I think is uh, probably the person that's most responsible for bringing shamanic work or shamanism into contemporary culture more so than anybody else. You know, other people have contributed, don't get me wrong, but you know, he led the way. He was an anthropologist that went down to South America and before it became somewhat of a household word in the new age metaphysical area, area anyway, uh, under the supervision of a shaman, uh, he ingested uh, plant medicine that's used there and has been used there for thousands of years uh, called ayahuasca. Oh, yeah. And in it, he had certain visions come up, and uh, he apparently, uh, I made this jump myself, after experiencing this, he realized there's really something to this. And again, at that time, anthropologists were not supposed to participate in ceremonies. So that's part of what I admire about him. And he went, well, that's kind of silly. You know, 
Let me yeah, participate right. and see, have an experience of it. And he did. God, that's courageous. At that time, it was very courageous. Anyway, one thing led to another. And, and he made it. I heard him say this. Is He said, as long as people are doing what we are doing to the earth, I'm going to teach as many people as possible shamanic principles and methodologies. And he set about to do so, and he's trained or his organization, Foundation for Shamanic Studies, has trained thousands and thousands of people, including myself, uh, people that you would recognize um, that are in the out front, you know, in terms of their shamanic work, etc. Anyway, so... What a great commitment uh, I, to, that he made to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing commitment. He and his wife started this foundation, and they offer training. And one of the trainings is a two-day course and kind of an introductory course. Um, and he calls his particular system core shamanism, which means that he's, he's studied, you know, various cultures that uh, you could say are shamanic cultures. And he found certain threads that were the same or similar in, in some way to uh, cross-culturally. So I took this two-day course on core shamanism. <laughs> and uh, I just remember I, I went up to him afterwards. I say, you know, what else can I do? What can I, can I do the three-year program you have? Can I do the, t-? you know, almost like he was pulling in the reins. He said, oh, boy, you know, here you go. Here, <laughs> do this or this and this. And he gave me instructions or directions, which I took. And I went on to do some more courses through that foundation, including a three-year training in advanced shamanism, as well as um, some other courses the foundation offered. And then I went to some other trainings, Tibetan shamanism, Celtic shamanism, Huna, which is Hawaiian shamanism. And I did find that there were very, there were certain similarities between these. So eventually one thing led to another and I quit my therapy practice <laughs> and uh, set out in, uh, to, in opened uh, the practice to shamanic healing primarily, mainly. You know, I just wasn't doing that, the therapy that I've been doing. And, um, you know, one thing uh, that came from that was starting to publish. I'd published four books as a ther- uh, therapist uh, sometime back, and one of which is still was been reissued as a 25th anniversary edition, my very first book. And um, I didn't write for a long time to publish anything. And then, you know, when I got into shamanism, I started it felt like my my mission. I was I was given an assignment basically to write about those aspects of shamanism that anybody could um, be interested in and be able to find use for. So my first book was Sacred Ceremony. You know, you you can read it. You don't have to have any desire to do anything shamanic because ceremony is a part of life. You know, and my uh, hope for the book was, and it has done so is to encourage people to enact ceremonies to honor let's say seasonal changes full moon new moon like the new moons tonight you know there could be a night that's uh, right. a beautiful ceremony yeah. for the new moon mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and also tran- life transitions you know going from oh like uh going from let's say adult to elder status you know in the tribe and then it led to what well, is close to what our topic is tonight, spirit animals. I wrote something about power animals. I got a book on power animals, some oracle cards, like you mentioned, uh, book Animal Spirit Guides, which is a, like an encyclopedia of 
possible messages, <clears throat> excuse me, possible messages when you cite an animal in a certain way. And then uh, it led up to some other publications related. And then the book that we're talking about here, Animals, the Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals, which is hot off the press. You know, it's only been out just a few weeks. So that's been sort of the, not sort of, that's a, the lineage from which I came to uh, work with spirit animals. And I swear to God, they hired me, you know, they tagged me, <laughs> they assigned me, <laughs> and, you know, my guides assigned me to do this. And it's been my pleasure to do so because it's a really accessible and easy to learn way to receive guidance. That's the beauty of it. And we'll talk more about that, but that's one of the things I see with spirit animals is when they show up in certain ways, there's something pretty big going on. And it's, you could say spirit or God, the great spirit is trying to get a message to you through this particular physical being. And uh, it works. You know, it just works. I've got story after story. The book that I mentioned, animals, personal tales, <clears throat> the beauty of it in the really creative aspect is I wrote the front and the back pieces, the intro, et cetera, a little bit about information about what we're going to talk about, you know, what are spirit animals, et cetera, contributed a couple stories, but the, the middle of the book, the guts of the book is several stories that other people have submitted that have had experiences with spirit animals um, relaying some guidance for them good book you know it's a good read my it daughter is. yeah Lee, thank you yeah thank you my daughter um reads to my granddaughter her daughter uh they she told me i sent them the book and she said me and lila lila's the granddaughter me and lila read a story every night for bedtime and i just no. that did my heart good ah oh, really well you know it's so wonderful mm-hmm. to hear these personal stories because it lets you know what's possible and these yep. are things that many people wouldn't think of, but hearing these stories that you present in your book, it, again, puts the light on it and lets people know, yes, this happens. And it's healing and it's helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, what I, um, Patricia, what I teach is, excuse me, what I teach is um, when an animal appears in an unusual way and or repeatedly in a short space of time, and that's whether the animal shows up physically or symbolically. There's something pretty big going on. And we can mm-hmm. dismiss it and we can say, well, you know, it's, it's interesting that Crow just hopped onto the table where I'm having my coffee. Thank you, Crow, you know, Mr. Crow or something like that. But when you begin to explore the possibility that this crow has landed there at the behest of, you could say, great spirit to be a representative of the collective consciousness of crows, then you start to look at the the physical crow in a slightly different way. That is an unusual experience. All right. And I'm just going to let my dog in. Sorry, he's knocking at the door here. I have, I have a home office, no problem. So. good boy, Scout. What, good boy. What kind of dog is, do you have? What, what breed? Uh, well, we have uh, two dogs, two cats, 
two tortoises and two chickens. We used to have rabbits too. <laughs> and it's not oh, uh, <laughs> it's not a, you know, fifty acre plot here. It's a little suburban plot of land with a house on it that's in a really nice neighborhood and it's got a park and all that. So um you know, we've got quite a few animals for having such a, a relatively small piece of land here that we're yeah. in charge of stewarding. So this dog, in answer to your question, is about a 21-month-old silver lab named Scout, oh. who is oh. still very much a puppy. And we have an older dog, a 7-year-old a yellow lab named Samson, who is, Scout's a little rambunctious. He's definitely an alpha, <laughs> alpha male, <laughs> whereas Samson is definitely a beta male who he's very sweet. He's like the lover, you know, scouts the one that wants to play all the time, you know, so it's quite a pair, you know, scout always goes up to Samson, tries to get him to play and Samson has nothing to do with him. Samson is seven (laughs) years old. So like, okay, I'm too old for this stuff. (laughs) That's it. Funny. Hey, Oh my gosh. They're, they're delightful. Very delightful. Yeah. Two different personalities for sure. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when when you work with people, they, they'd come in, I would imagine, with either one of those experiences, either something has appeared in the physical to them at, or something's appearing in their dreams or in their meditations or visions, something like that. Either way, these are very important events that need – that these people need to pay attention to it. So how do you work with them? Yeah. How do you get them to understand well, what the message is? Well, the first thing is, you know, I would teach what I said is that um, that's great. You know, that means the spirit's trying to get a hold of you, trying to get your attention in some way. And there is, uh, that's how spirit is doing so. There's other ways. You, I mean, you guys know this. There's do- mm-hmm. other ways that we get signs from, you could say it's signs from the universe or great spirit. You know, there, there could be, uh, we're watching a tree just kind of wave in the wind and suddenly we get this thought in our head that kind of pops in out of nowhere and we go you need to flow a little bit more and i go oh that's enough yeah i mean the world is speaking to us all the time and Mm. what we just need to do is be a better listener and that specific to my assignment so to speak and what i've been called to do here in a sense, is to the best of my ability is teach others how to listen to the natural world. We've lost that capacity. It's been forgotten. I won't say, yeah, we have lost it. That's, that's a fair to say that. Um, but it's mm-hmm. buried, I think, um, really deeply in our ancestral memory. Our long ago, I don't care what your ethnicity is, sometime long ago or maybe even present day, like in indigenous communities or for myself, I, I, I know I've actually met an ancestor, you know, in a shamanic journey that was around, I forget, I think about, um, about 2200 years ago, something like that. My point though, to swing back here to what we're talking about with uh, the natural world, we've disconnected from the natural world. It's, it's, it's really a sad statement. And at the same time, there's a deep ancestral memory that tends to be buried and cover over, covered over by all these um, accoutrements, you know, to use mm-hmm. a fancy word, of 
mm-hmm. civilized society. What I also see happening, though, is there's a great, and you two are so integrally involved in this, and I honor you for that. I thank you for that. The best way I would describe it is this awakening process, awakening to that deep memory, awakening to some sense of a greater connection, a more intimate connection with the natural world. So that's sort of an encompassing set when we start to focus in and narrow it down a little bit to the animals. You know, we're talking about not just animal communication. Scout, you know, communicates. He, you know, pause the door. Pretty clear message. He wants in. <laughs> yeah. Or he goes. We got be- we got bells on the door. He'll go. You know, ring the bell. Say, oh, time to go potty. Okay. Or um, Samson, the older dog, will look at me and he's like saying at some point, with because Scout's bugging him, would you get this guy away from me, please? But I'm not like two kids, yeah. Yeah, oh, like a younger brother, annoying younger brother, little brother, or something Uh like that. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm not, I don't profess to be an animal communicator. I do okay, but I'm not an animal communicator. There are people that are far better at it than I am. You know, I do okay, like I say. However, there are people, and one of the stories, the front end of the story, I recommend those of you who have the book or if you decide to get it, uh, just an amazing story about a woman who is an animal communicator, Laura Raleigh, and I'm going to be on her show, I think, in a couple of weeks. Um, that's what she does. That's her living, you know, is, is helping people with communication from the animals. I'm more like the spirit animal side. You know, that's what I've been called to deal with and to uh, mm-hmm. teach and to do and write about, et cetera. You know, it's really encompassed um, – quite a bit of my writing you know has been related to that in some fashion and i've noticed i'm kind of rambling here a little bit but to get refocused you know the natural world is something that we're becoming reacquainted with and also we're being um i think there is this awakening process um, i don't know there's a starting point to it i think the 60s certainly were a time of something's got to change here you know i'm a child of the yeah. 60s and i certainly know um at that time um Oh, John Lennon song and the Beatles song about revolution. Uh, if you're going to say you want a revolution, I, want to, I don't want to fight. Um, anyway, I don't know when Yeah, but, but I think all, you know, you're right. Really, all of us are, are feeling the need for more of that connection to nature, connection to our animals. I was yep. watching, uh, <laughs> I always watch trends and what people are being drawn to. And I saw this man on TikTok talking about how he goes outside, he puts his hands out, the birds land on his hand. And he has photos and videos of him with all kinds of wild animals. And people were fascinated. They're like, how are you I doing bet. this? We want yeah, to know how I you're doing He says, it's very easy. I, I go outside and I am grateful to nature. And then he went on from there. It was fascinating. But... What I was yeah, so interested yeah. in was how many people wanted to know, how are you connecting? And that's a really yeah. good sign. Yeah, I think that's a real statement about what we're talking about here is to reconnect with the natural world. And again, we've, we've been, you could say, forgetful or lost, at, but we're, we're learning how to do so. And that's one aspect of, of uh, spirit animals is reconnecting with the natural world. We're really talking mainly about um, 
animals that aren't domesticated, or at least not domesticated fully. Horses are a good example. You know, they're somewhat domesticated, but there are still wild mustangs, you know, that live in the wilderness, live in the wilds. So um, Hmm. the way to connect is along the lines of what I've said is look for the unusual. Be open to the unusual. Be open to repetition. And again, it could be symbolic. You see a... um, a truck that's rolling along or pulls up to a stop sign next to you look over at the truck and on the side, it says uh, bear moving company. <laughs> you go, Oh, yeah. that's the thing. okay. You don't think much of it, you know, but then you go to the supermarket and you just happen to pass by a couple of people that are talking and you hear them say, Oh yeah, I saw a bear when I was up in Yosef. You know, you go, okay, that's two. Let's see what this uh, farmer guy was talking about. Maybe there's something to this. And then, yeah. you know, if you're not, if you're not, um, curious at that point, you go home, you turn on TV, and there's a show about, guess what? Bears. Repetitive in a short space of time, symbolically, and in a short space of time. So you pay attention to that. There's something going on here. When you see some, uh, an animal, in a, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, repetitively like that. But here's my question, because there's a lot of different interpretations as to what that can mean. So how do we find it? Because I know you have got some wonderful books available, so people can read those. And I know there's a lot of other books out there and and Native Americans that provide some insight. I know there's one called Bird Medicine. We had that gentleman on, Mm. he's Native American, talked about what this, if this bird shows up in your life, this is what it means. But I've read a lot of different ideas about what these uh, birds, animals, wild animals and semi-domesticated actually mean how do we narrow it down so that we get the personal statement sure there's there's actually three ways one is exactly that you look it up you know look uh, one of my books or there's other books out there that offer possible meanings or messages if an animal is spotted in that way uh, the book Animal Spirit Guides was one of the first of its kind that, that almost encyclopedic in a certain way, something like 210, I think 211 different animals. And the way it's set up is with each animal, there's um, three different sections, one of which is the main thing related to what we're talking about here, which is, uh, you know, if you see a bee, you know, if a bee comes close to you and gets your attention, what might that mean? You know, and then there's like five or six and maybe even seven possible messages or meanings of that experience. And what I advise people then is, yeah, go ahead, read each message and then see which one resonates with you or clicks or you get a hit on, you get a feeling, a sense maybe that, oh, oh, okay, that makes, uh, you know, B, uh, you need a little more sweetness in your life. Okay, that makes sense. Good, okay. Or the same, busy as a bee. You know, that might be one of the other possibilities. So it's time to get busy. You know, get the work done that you you were planning to do, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. Uh, the other is uh, related to that, you know, number one is the Internet. What a great job. We can access so much information on the Internet. And one of those, uh, what we can access is uh, to put in a search engine, the spirit animal and see what shows up again something there will sort of click with you is the best way i would say it or 
resonate. I like that word resonate because it's a, a sensory word. You know, there's like a vibration of sorts. Or you get chills or something like that that tells you, oh, that's the meaning that makes the most sense. Because not every um, interpretation of the meaning of a sighting like that will necessarily click for you or resonate. But typically there'll be one or two that really speaks to you. That's one way. Second way is kind of interesting. And that's that you um, take into account the characteristics of the physical animal. And in those characteristics, you can sort of um, extrapolate not sort of, but you can extrapolate the message with the characteristics or a characteristic serving as a metaphor for the message. Uh, I'll use the example of B again. So I don't look at any book. I don't go to the Internet and go, okay, let me ask, let me think about what, a, what's, what are some characteristics of a B? Well, they are busy. You know, they seem to be like really busy gathering all the time. You know, getting honey. Oh, honey. Oh, sweetness. Maybe something to do with sweetness. Okay, that makes sense. You know, I've been feeling sort of sour here lately. And uh, either I need to sweeten things up a little <laughs> or I need to provide in some way more sweetness in my life. Um, getting busy. You know, maybe I extrapolate that from the characteristics of the bee. And... Um, that means, okay, this project I've been putting off or I've been busy getting distracted or something like that, it's time to move on. So let me just, let's just, uh, the three of us, let's just talk about another animal and see what we can um, decipher, you know, from the characteristics. And this is the second way, like I said, that you can do this. Oh, let's say dolphin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let me put it out to you first, you know, just off the top of your head. You know, we're not looking for the right answer. When you think of a dolphin, to the extent that you know about dolphins, what comes to mind? What are some of the characteristics of a dolphin? Intelligent. Hi. Oh, that's what I was going to say Good. the same thing. Good. We're reading our, each other's minds here. Okay. <laughs> we are. Good. <laughs> Playful. Good. You guys are good. <laughs> Playful. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Laser focused. Okay, good. Laser focused. Compassionate. Good. Compassionate. Okay, good. That's a lot right there. Okay, out of that list, if you were, say, you had a dream about, a really big dream, you know, a very vivid dream about a dolphin, any of those might be, um, you can extrapolate as the message, you know, for you. And it's the one that hits home, resonates, like I say. Another interesting characteristic of the animal, the physical animal dolphin, is this. Echolocation. What that means is that you can actually, there, I've heard video, um, audios of a dolphin and how they have clicks as they're moving through the ocean. They're clicking. Something like that. That's a poor imitation. But And what's going on there is they have this capacity to send out those clicks, those sounds that then bounce off of the various objects underwater and return to them so they can perceive the geography of the water based on those clicks. Another way to say it, it's a form of radar. (laughs) 
So one thing that we can extrapolate from those characteristics is, all right, it's time to really pay attention, you know, to what's before me. You know, notice what's before me. Pay attention to it. Peripheral vision as well as central vision. You know, it's just right now, because dolphin came to me in the dream, it really means it's very, um, you could say, time sensitive. You know, it means right now at this time it's really important. You can relax later. Maybe it's not as critical. But dolphin spirit coming to you through that dream is saying any of these things to you that, that again, click with you or that resonate. Makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Sure. It does. Yeah. It brings me to a question, though, because, like, let's talk about a shark. People don't have, like, these warm, fuzzy feelings. Well, some people might, but a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, I'm being hunted. I need to worry. How do you take a spirit animal, say something like a shark, and, and not feel, um, I don't know, I want to say maybe almost threatened by, oh, my gosh, this has shown up four times this week. Do I need to worry about this? Yeah, no, that's a really good question, uh, Michelle. Um, first, you've got to take the, uh, the, the, the typical judgments about something like that or the typical reactions, kind of put them aside, you know, for a while. And again, using this mm-hmm. second idea, this second methodology, you want to first examine the shark. What is that? What, is, what are the characteristics of a shark? Uh, they, they don't hesitate. You know, they see a prey, they're on it, okay? That's one thing that's pretty obvious with this. Um, they are kind of scary. They can be kind of scary. You know, if you're swimming in the ocean and you get an into, a hint of a shark, you know, you're in danger. You know, that, mm-hmm. so that might be the message. You know, that might be an aspect of the message. It's a possibility. Uh, they're very, um, let me think of the right word for it. They really flow you know, through the ocean. It's not a real jerky, spasmodic sort of thing. They are really in the flow. Uh, Another one is that they are underwater. They come at you from the deep, uh, not not at you, but, you know, when they dive relatively deeply, not like whales, but they're able to also um, uh, surface quite readily. So it may be that you need to dive deeper. (laughs) You know, you may need to... You might need to dive into your emotions because water and fluidity, sometimes they're representative of emotions. So okay. um, those are some characteristics of shark or a shark, I should say, the animal shark, that can indicate mm-hmm. uh, a message to you that could be meaningful. Maybe you are in a somewhat dangerous situation or maybe you are in a, in a situation where you're feeling threatened, it's a possibility. And you might have to put up your defenses. So shark may come to you again as in a dream or something like that and um, give you that uh, message that you need to you know, kind of shore up the defense. Make sure you lock your doors at night, you know, kind of a thing. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, cause you're right, because it does it does often stay. It's a, it's a, you know act as a threat, so it does make sense that you would mm-hmm. look at your own yeah, safety, on, what precautions you take. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Be on the alert, like you said, mm-hmm. the fear yeah. that we typically, you know, rightfully so of any, um, you know, we could be potential prey. You know, with the shark, mm-hmm. and there's a few other animals like that. We could be potential prey. 
you know, we don't go out. It was a, oh, a sad, tragic story of that couple that went out and they thought they could be friends with the grizzly bears. And oh, they didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't, they didn't survive. Anyway, enough of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, um, the third way, though, I want to highlight the third day, like really highlight it, because ultimately this is what I'd like people to eventually experiment with and give this a try. It's such a simple concept, and it really is relatively simple to enact it. You know, when an animal appears to you in an unusual way or repeatedly and or repeatedly, how about this? How about ask the, the again, the, the animal is a representative, I sometimes call a sales rep, you know, that comes to you to try encourage you to pay closer attention to the collective consciousness, the message that's coming through spirit through the collective consciousness of that animal that has been spotted um, in the physical or symbolic realm. So what you do, well, let's go back to the bear, you know, repeatedly. Bear, the bear didn't actually, the physical bear didn't show up, but you got symbols three times in a row, all in the space of a day. Ask bear spirit. Close your eyes and say, thank you, bear. Not a bear. You're not talking to the physical bear. You're talking to bear spirit. Thank you, bear. What's your message? And here's the key. Being a psychic medium, Michelle, you know know this very, very well, I'm sure. As soon as you ask, you pay attention to everything that you see, hear, and feel. And it can come from the inside, like your inner voice, uh, your mind's eye, or it uh, can come from an external, external source. You know, there's the two strangers walking by while you're out for a walk, and you overhear something they say, and you go, huh, that sounds like the message to me. Or you might, <clears throat> excuse me, your eyes might be drawn to something in the environment that indicates the message to you. The other, uh, the other, I said, what you see here and feel, what you feel in your body, your sensations that you feel. We talk about intuition as a gut feeling. There's no accident that it's called a gut feeling because we feel, so, here, here's my take on it, is we feel something in our body. We may or may not be directly aware of it, but something's going on in the body and it gets um, translated by the mind in some way. So you're using your, your body and your thought processes. You may also incorporate visual and auditory, but it seems like it jumps immediately to the cognitive. And then um, images and such that you see in your mind's eye, uh, auditory uh, signals, the, the voice in your, in your mind, they add to that information that then becomes your message. And, and I trust that, any, any of these three will work. If you're just starting out with this, yeah, go look it up. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And at the same time, I want to encourage everybody to give this a try. You know, ask the spirit animal. Thank you, spirit animal, whatever that may be. Thank you for the message. What, uh, what is the message? And then pay attention to everything that happens immediately afterward. You'll, I think you'll be quite amazed, you know, at how clear the message can be most of the time. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I like the messages that come in. I much, much prefer ones that are like really straightforward and real clear. That's why I enjoy Raven Spirit because uh, he, oh. he doesn't hold back. 
you know, he just tells me what's going on. You know, he doesn't right. hesitate or try. Well, let me let me explain it to you really nicely. He just says, you know, uh, <laughs> knock off the BS, there, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> you know, that kind That's of thing. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Stephen, do we have specific spirit animals that we choose before we come into this life or that choose us and they stay like our spirit animal totem for the whole lifetime? Or are they constantly revolving? How does that work? Uh, it's both and. Um, it's my, um, to the best of my information that I've received, is yes, we are uh, aligned with the spirit animal at birth. But we're not in a culture that typically supports that idea. We have semblances of that in that we buy our children stuffed animals. And sometimes the child will become very attached to a particular stuffed animal, as you perhaps even recall from your childhood, Uh, Mm -hmm. teddy bears, you know, bunny rabbits, you know, things like that. And I think that what parents can do is to teach them that, yes, it's a stuffed animal, and it's also a real animal in the spirit world. However, you might communicate that to the child, and frankly, it's not that important that they understand it as a representative of the spirit world. You know, it's really not, that's a little later, you know, that they might begin to want to understand that. That was one of the purposes, by the way, of the children's spirit animal cards, um, is to start early, you know, maybe as early as five or six, to just teach them the vocabulary, you know, this is a spirit animal because they're, they're, they're much more concrete. Their thinking is concrete at that developmental age. My, one of my, uh, grandson, my grandsons who was, uh, how old was he? I think he was like three or something. Um, I sent a deck of the spirit, children's spirit animal cards to my daughter. And we did a FaceTime. And what he was doing, Desmond is his name, who's now... Uh, 10, 11 years old now, um, was mom would peel off one of the cards, what's that, hand it to Desmond, and Desmond would name the animal. That was a nice introduction to the use of these cards. And someday maybe, you know, like when they get a little bit older, 9, 10, 11, 12, depending on the parents um, being willing to teach them another level of the meaning of this card, it's not just the physical animal, but there's a spirit animal, and the child's receptive to it. Great. On the other hand, if they never teach them anything, you know, related to spirit, it's great because they're they're at least introduced to it, you know, at a fairly young age, and then they can take that into adulthood. I mean, I see some adolescents here and there. I'm not a specialist in adolescent, but I see the adolescents and their families and. Boy, I'll tell you, it's amazing to me what uh, these teenagers, and I'm very different. You know, I, I still say I'm a, I am licensed psychotherapist and also a shamanic, shamanic practitioner. And so I teach them about spirit animals. We even do shamanic journeys. I've got four, two 14-year-olds that have done shamanic journeys. How's that? That's great. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, no, got start early, you know, because we need yeah. to find ways to navigate through this, you know, increasingly tumultuous, chaotic period. You know, we're coming to rest with, to some extent, with the pandemic, although I guess, you know, it depends on what you read, whether it's over or not. But it's been a very challenging era the last two, two and a half years 
And, and uh, very isolating. Very isolating for yeah. these children Amen. and teenagers especially. I mean, my God. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was very damaging, I think, to a lot of people. And I heard that the suicide Agreed. rate went up pretty high. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so this is this way of connecting that you're offering. I think it's it's very, very important. And also, I want everybody to know, you also are available for private sessions. So if somebody wants to do work with you, they can contact you through your website, right, and arrange an appointment? Uh, yeah, just under services. There's, um, you know, sessions, healings. I, I do a lot of work with trauma as well, you know, and I've done a lot of training in a couple of methodologies and uh, um, really have a pretty good grasp of not only what trauma is, but the residuals and how it continues to um, areas of your body remain sort of frozen in that defensive way that we had to adapt to the trauma with. I didn't say that very well, but, you know, we go through, we adapt to it. If we are alive, we adapted to it, period. You know, you're 40 years old, you're still alive, and you were traumatized congratulations you did your body did what it needed to your instinct did what it needed to to survive so congratulations now let's see what we can do to sort of uh, uh, unfreeze the frozen parts of you you know that were necessary at the time because they ain't working so well now anyway that's like exactly. a really quick um, methodology by working with the body um, but yeah um, i think it's great that kids are uh, first off the <laughs> We can take the masks off in certain areas of the country and certain areas of the world. Uh, there may still be some slight risk with that, but, you know, it's like it's happening. You know, there's a bit of relief. Summer's coming. Great. Okay, good. But there's a lot of other things happening. There's a war going on now. Cha. Right. Who'd have thought? You know, that, that punk. <laughs> You know, let's. Jeez. I don't know if we need to go there. Yeah. You know, it's horrendous. But, but it's, it's again the, the pressure that people are feeling. You know, as yeah. Michelle and I were talking earlier, and Michelle, you were saying how people were coming in with a level of very heavy energy, right? From what's oh, happening. Yes. It's it's mm-hmm. very difficult to navigate these waters because it feels like we're we are continuing to be hit over and over again by some pretty pretty terrible things. So what's so interesting, though, is people joining together, whether it's in prayer yep. or to fight to preserve their country. It's, there's this yep. level of this wave of consciousness that is, looks to me like an incredible light. And it's, it's the, the people in charge that are causing the trouble. It's, it's not the people in the countries. So it's, our consciousness is, I think, changing for the better. It's, it, but it's still very difficult to swallow that we have a war going on and it's it's reaching such heights of devastation. It's it's really difficult to integrate that. I think for people right now, and yeah. that's where I think the animal work, the spirit animal work, is especially helpful because it takes us out of the stress aspect and brings us into more understanding more enlightenment more connection so yeah that's any, where i think i'd say so great. A, i i think so too Pat, uh, patricia so much could be said about this heinous act that's taken place there um you know there's uh, russians who have people they know in ukraine uh it's uh, there's what else can you say about it? it's just a horrific 
experience. And yes, people are starting to raise up in arms, so to speak. And I don't mean weapons, you know, raise up in arms and say, knock this off. Anyway, we'll see how mm-hmm. that unfolds. The best we can do is to pray, pray for peace. That's right. And yes. another, for, on a personal level, as well as a collective, well, a couple of things I would say about that too. I, I really am so convinced of this, that those of us who have a, a sensitive, the sensitives or empaths or whatever you want to call us, you know, we feel the collective vibe. And I've been telling mm-hmm. people this, and they, they get it, that, yeah, you've got your personal reactions, et cetera, to whatever it may be, whether the war or something else or personal matters, but they get amplified by this, these waves of this fear and anxiety that's in the collective. And where that turns to, it's like an, what happens with animals. You know, if an animal is, you know, an animal perceives a threat, the first thing you do is alert and assess, you know, alert and assess, you know, really quickly, instinctively. And if there's a danger um, or a perceived threat, what the animal resorts to first typically is depart, leave, get out of there. If you can't escape or the animal can't escape, the next possibility would be aggression, you know, to fight your way out of it. But what if you can't escape and you can't fight? What happens? You collapse. Your nervous system literally collapses. And that's why what we've seen in the last two years is an inordinate inordinate amount, let me say that again, inordinate amount of anxiety and depression. And it's related to that. I even Mm -hmm. told Jessica, my wife, I said a couple weeks ago, I said, yeah, I'm feeling this low-level anxiety and I have no reason to feel anxious. You know, and I knew as soon as I said it, I went, oh, okay. It's this sort of, um, it's like radio waves, you know, you can't necessarily see them, but you can, yeah. you can sense them or EMFs mm-hmm. or right. anything like that. But the culture, the collective vibe of fear, you know, just runs through us, runs through the populace. And especially if you are, um, like I say, empathic and or you could say sensitive to these kind of things. So, yes, I absolutely believe that everyone has to have, should have, if I were king, I'd say, everybody, you got to have a spiritual discipline. That's the way it is. Whatever it is, you know, do something along the lines every day. Meditate, pray, you know, whatever mm-hmm. way works for you. And second, learn how to um, perceive guidance. You know, learn how to yeah. um, get those messages, to receive and be open to them. And then let's take another step with that. Hey, how about the animals? You know, spirit wants to help us out. Our ancestors want to help us out. My God, that's a whole other topic. But mm-hmm. spirit animals, let's focus in on that. Um, and again, that book, Animals, uh, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals, great stories in there that I think can really inspire people. Go, oh, this stuff can work. Yes. Uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, a book he wrote years ago. He, he submitted a story in there about a butterfly. So one of his patients had died in the area that he and his wife were visiting. And I can tell this story because it's public. It's in the book. And um, they go there and they find this butterfly keeps following him around. And then one day he had this insight. He said, oh, that's my patient who died here. 
in this uh, uh-huh. in this country. I forget the country they're in. And right away they both knew it. I mean, the butterfly would follow them inside. <laughs> Uh, there was an opportunity for the butterfly created the butterfly could escape and it didn't it hung around mm. <laughs> almost the same like hey. yeah yeah They're like a courier a messenger from the one who had died the the deceased um, patient things yeah, like that absolutely. just pretty amazing that's another angle of spirit animals by the way is they often visit some often uh, winged creatures birds not always birds, but uh, often after you lose someone, someone you know or a relative dies, someone you're close to, someone you love, is within, let's say, a short period of time, you notice that, wow, there's a hawk that keeps hanging around out here. Or mm-hmm. there's a dove that just landed on my table when I'm having coffee. And I was just thinking of my grandmother who died. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's just, like, amazing. So that that's is, another answer to animals. Yeah, my so medium's understanding you. of that is that our loved ones in spirit actually blend their animal, their energy with the animal that is here, and the animal has the ability to accept it or not accept it, but it feels good, and they usually accept, and then they, you know, the butterfly flies in front of you, or like you said, the dove lands on your table. So yeah. it really is. A strong connection. Yeah, it's as if the this person's soul, or they sent mm-hmm. this animal, basically to say, "Yeah, I'm okay." You know, let let, I'm the, okay, let them and know. I'm here. Let them know I'm okay. Yeah. What a great um, if you think about it as a, both a symbol and a spirit animal, a butterfly. Transformation, mm-hmm. you know, change nice. form. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm no longer in the visible, physical form. So, uh, you know, again, Bernie Siegel, a butterfly, how perfect it would be for a butterfly or a dove even, you know, who's often a symbol of peace. You know, I'm at right. peace. You know, Absolutely. anyway, that's another yeah. angle of the spirit animals. Yeah. Very interesting. So, anyway, Let me question. ask you. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to ask you, people have spirit animals, but let's say do countries or groups of people or tribes have spirit animals? So for America, we have the eagle, right? The bald eagle. Is that like a spirit animal for our country or is it really more individual? Uh, It's a really good question. And uh, a lot of times there's, I would say, three um, types of spirit animals that we can talk about. One is well, we've just been talking about spirit animals or a uh, term I use interchangeably is animal spirit guides. You know, it has a different, slightly different implication that they're there for guidance. You know, they're to help you out through this uh, life that can be challenging from time to time. Um, there's another term that you've heard. I think you mentioned it, too, at the introduction, totem animal. Well, what's a totem animal? Uh, some people will use that term to um, what I, in my world, at least how I operate is I think of it as a power animal, but I don't care. You call it a power animal or a totem animal, but a totem animal or a totem has a different meaning. And it's along the lines of your question, Michelle. A totem can be one of a couple things. A totem can be a figure, a representation, a feather, a ceramic figure, uh, a wall hanging of a favorite spirit animal. 
that's a totem. That's one uh, mm-hmm. kind of totem. Example, I have, gosh, on my altar here, I've got raven, I've got wolf, uh, snake, and the, the and tortoise, yeah, which are, I could call the objects that represent them totems, and I'm fine with that, but they are representatives of what I call my power animals, which is, I'll get to in a sec, that's more related to the shamanic work. So, um having a symbol of the animal could be called a totem. I knew a guy that, gosh, he was telling me about elephant, his elephants. You know, he's got elephant images hanging up from his, uh, in his bedroom. He's got an elephant tie, et cetera, et cetera. And it was funny. <laughs> Do you think maybe that's his favorite spirit animal as well? <laughs> yeah. So then uh, the other meaning of totem is along the lines of what you said. You know, it, it is a, a spirit animal that's shared by a group, a clan, a community, a tribe, etc. Um, I did some research on totem poles, you know, in the Pacific Northwest. It's very interesting because mm-hmm. there's no, no um, how would I say, there's no hard, fast uh, fact about the totems. But what the best information I came up with is, let's say, there's six different uh, spirit animals represented by the totem pole. And what that uh, one theorist said is that the, in the community or the tribe, there can be different clans, you know, sort of subgroupings in the, in the tribe. And each one has a specific spirit animal. So that goes on to the totem pole. And then at the top, the animal at the top is, the totem for the entire community or the entire tribe. Another good example of it is uh, something I just heard a couple weeks ago of a 12-step program where they had a fairly consistent membership. And um, they uh, started talking about spirit animals and totem animals, and they came up with an agreed-upon spirit animal that was then and from there on their totem for the group. We have um, other representations of what you could call totem animals, uh, quite a few of them. That is sports teams. Hmm. Philadelphia Mm -hmm. Eagles, Los Angeles Rams, yay Rams. You know, they won the Super Bowl, so I'll cheer for that. Uh, (laughs) You know, know, it doesn't really, to the group that they're involved, they don't really think of it, I don't think, as a totem animal or spirit animal, but from our perspective of what we're discussing here, yeah, that's a totem. You know, that's something that's shared by a group, clan, community, etc. So that's a totem. When you get to power animals, it's a little different take on it. And uh, for our purpose, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me whether you call it a totem or a power animal. It doesn't really matter to me. However, I would qualify that by saying that uh, I first came across that you know, when I was introduced to shamanism, that every shaman has at least a couple of uh, power animals. Well, who are power animals? Well, they're animals that they work with specifically for different functions. And uh, definitely they are guides and a source of spiritual power for the shaman or the shamanic practitioner. So um, for myself, you know, personal example, um, many years I, I just believed it wasn't useful or, it was helpful not to talk a lot about your power animal. 
but what I was given permission by my power animals is to talk about it because that's what I teach. So I can share with you what uh, my, um, I'll share with you briefly the history of the different power animals that have come to me and that are useful. Uh, each one has a different, slightly different function. Example would be the first one that came to me, I had no idea that it was really one of my power animals, and that was snake, snake spirit. Um, later, as I was introduced to shamanism, I, I realized, oh, wait, without even having a name for it as power or totem or spirit guy, animal spirit guide, that is definitely uh, a power animal. And then a few years later, go to the two-day workshop I took where we did, uh, we paired up and um, found whatever power animal showed up. Let's say I, 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 was, I would do it on behalf of my partner, my partner would do it on behalf of me, and he brought back wolf as a power animal. Snake and wolf have continued to stay with me over these many years. Mm. And then owl came and that was when I still had an active psychotherapy practice, even though I was you know, developing my um, shamanic studies. And, uh, and then it was tortoise that came to me. And mm-hmm. eventually something happened, which was owl, um, and I don't even remember how this exactly happened. I think Raven had a lot to do with it. I, I jokingly say Raven kicked owl out of the nest and took over from Owl. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes mm-hmm. sense. If you see Raven, you ever see, oh, I think you said you saw them, but these Ravens, they walk like, man, I'm king of the world. You know, you see well, how they so walk. Well, they're big, too. Yeah. They, yeah. They are big. I mean, it's. I was amazed when I saw the two that showed up here one day. They were so large and yeah, they're really loud. Toilets. That's how you can tell. Yeah, oh, much bigger. Loud. Much bigger. Yeah, their yeah. beak is... Their beak is a little shaped a little differently, etc. They're just uh, they're bigger uh, birds. Anyway, so that's those are power animals, and I use them in my shamanic healing, my shamanic work. And they come to me. Wolf is uh, really his medicine is protection, loyalty. You know, taking care of business. You know, circling the wagons. I always feel protected, knowing that wolf, whether I'm consciously aware at that time or not is taking really good care of me, is taking really good care of the animals, especially the dogs because of the relationship. You know, wolves are ancestors of the dogs. And I know I'm protected. Raven, function of raven or the medicine of raven is manifestation, you know, being able to manifest, you know, magic, associated with magic. Even in some of our lore, ravens are associated with magic. Um, So raven is also... Um, really good at calling me out, you know, on any of my shadows I'm not aware of or anything like that. Wolf and Raven also are excellent guides. They're the ones I call upon to take me into this non-ordinary reality to do any work there with other spirit guides. And then um, uh, Tortoise came along, and I actually was uh, asked to be in charge of stewarding these two desert tortoises that came in this kind of really interesting way. <laughs> and so they are with us now. They're hibernating right now. But they, their medicine is a little different. Their medicine is more of a reminder to stay grounded. And also, 
Think about the metaphor, like I was saying earlier. They, they pull in, and then they stretch out. They move a lot faster than we think, but they also are a reminder to go slower, slow down a little bit. The other is, you know, know when to hold them, know when to show them, know when to move forward, know when to pull back, that sort of thing. And then, uh, who am I forgetting? Um, wolf, raven, tortoise. Um, I'm forgetting one. Forgive me. No, raven, raven's, raven I mentioned, raven, wolf, tortoise, snake. and let me look at my altar. And snake, yeah, okay, I got them all covered, yeah. <laughs> okay. So snake, snake is more, um, snake is a healer, surprisingly. Snake is a healer. Hmm. So when I do my um, shamanic healing, snake is always present. And thank you, snake brother, because it's, it's been an incredible journey with snake. I even have um, one thing after another is developed with my relationship with snake spirit. And then I came across this amazing book called Cosmic Serpent uh, by Jeremy Narby, subtitled DNA and the Origins of Knowledge. And he is an anthropologist like Harner, uh, came across Harner's uh, work, decided he wanted to go to South America. He went there, again, ingested the ayahuasca, had these visions, and many of the visions were serpents and snakes. And he got very intrigued by that, came back, and he went into an exhaustive research, microbiology, historically, etc., about snakes. And what he found, so interesting, is how many cultures had snake symbols in them. Even our own, you know, U.S., <laughs> the Caduceus. Yeah, that's right. But it was both in medicine, plant medicine cultures, and those that didn't use plant medicine. And it was so intriguing. So he put forth this theory, this premise that long ago shamans would frequently see images in their work of snakes and snake spirits. They'd often see, and there are, he uh, replicates some of those images in this book, Cosmic Serpent. He, there were also a fair number of visions of two intertwined snakes with something connecting them, like rungs of a ladder. They were seeing, according to this premise, they were seeing the DNA. They right, didn't the have, they didn't know what DNA was. You get, you get what I'm saying, you know, it's like here they are. They right. Have, to have some analog that they were familiar with, and it was snakes. <laughs> and there's a whole story about that, how DNA, in my Oracle cards, I've got a new deck of oracle cards called messages from the ancestors and it's divvied up into four different categories in the first category there's only one card there and it's dna the master ancestor the premise being is they came across time and space landed on the planet and as you say the rest is history they formed collectives yeah. adapted to the ecology of the time kept changing you know modifying etc cetera, etc cetera. and here we are those molecules that are floating around in our bodies right now <laughs> are uh, the master ancestor think about it. it makes a lot of sense if you think about it yeah mm -hmm. that anyway, is that fascinating was... and and the aboriginals that that was big in their paintings and their cave drawings yep. snake yeah it, rainbow, it took uh, rainbow high priority serpent. yeah rainbow yeah. serpent's the creator goddess you know they 
the belief is amongst uh, most of the communities, I understand it, you know, that's the creator goddess, you know, went across the land and formed everything. <sighs> They're all over the place anyway. So anyway, snake yeah. spirit also, there's an, another story I won't get into, but snake's uh, purpose for me as a power animal is to assist me in any healing ceremonies. And I'm eternally grateful for that. It makes a lot of sense. So that's, that's wonderful. That's power animals, anyway. That's an example of power animals. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about ravens and crows? I mean, they're, again, blackbirds, very intelligent, both crows and ravens. What's the difference? I mean, with ravens, there is, there's a certain energy. With crows, there's a different energy. What's the energy? We've talked somewhat about the ravens. What about the crows? Well, the the I think that... Um, Crows are a little more accessible. You know, there's, if I, around here we have crows, you know, I see them out there from time to time. And there's a, I, I love how they call it a murder of crows. I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> no, it's a, it's really? a group of crows. Okay. That sounds so diabolical or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, crows, crow, as, as you pointed out, you know, the ravens are big. You know, they're quite a bit bigger. Their, uh, their physical structure is a little different in that uh, they are larger they also have a different sort of a beak, and yet they're also very similar. Uh, in Australia, speaking of Australia, there's uh, magpies. So they're part of that family. Um, I often refer to crows as uh, cousins of raven. You know, they're very, very similar. Uh, their energies and their gifts, are very, their medicine is very similar too, although I think it's much stronger with raven. And that's the um, medicine of manifestation, as I mentioned, uh, magic, etc. So when I see a crow in an unusual place or an unusual way, excuse me, um, I refer to that crow and ask the crow, what's the message? Knowing that crow is um, biologically connected to raven. So I really feel like I'm speaking to both crow and raven in uh, raising that question. So that's the difference as I see it. Just crows are a little smaller physically, etc. They tend to hang around in groups. Ravens tend to be a little more solitary. You don't see a lot of them necessarily. There might be one or two. I think you had an experience with a couple of them that were hanging around like that. But you don't see, yes. like, if you look at crows, you know, there's like a gang, <laughs> you know, 20 <laughs> or 30 of them at, at any one time flying around. Whereas ravens, again, tend to be a little more solitary. And raven is also, um, you know, a reflection of my makeup and characteristics. You know, it's, I wouldn't say solitary, but, yeah, you know, once I, when I do a workshop or something like that, I need to go and, like, just be quiet and still for a while. <laughs> and that, that's characteristic. <laughs> that is a reflection of an aspect of raven as well. Ah, okay. So that's his, that's what I see as the difference. But if you you know if you work with Raven and you don't see a lot of Ray, I don't see a lot of them around here. Uh, I I look to see is there a crow showing up in some unusual way or again repeatedly, and if so, then I realize that it's really trying to reach me. A Raven is trying to reach me through cousin crow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. So you can do a kind of a handoff like that. That's yeah, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. But when the two showed up here, the two ravens, I, this is the first time I've ever seen them up close. 
And I had no idea why all of a sudden they, they showed up. And as you know, I did dream interpretation for many, many years. But I was a lot yeah. of this. And then I realized the message wasn't for me because they were showing up at my husband's garage window, the same window, mm. every single day. So I was like, you know why I can't get the message? Because I don't think it's for me. But I enjoyed their presence. Mm-hmm. They were really spectacular to watch. But... Yeah, so, I don't know, I was just kind of watching that one from afar, enjoying it very much, but I couldn't get the message, and I think that's the reason why. All right, let's try something. You guys uh, game here to try something out? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I mean all of us, all three of us. Let's take that experience, the memory of that experience is what we're working with, but it's still, you can still work with it. And let's try out number three, what I said about direct, I call it direct revelation. Now, it's a very fundamental principle of shamanism as well as other practices like psychic medium. You know, you want to, you get the information directly from, not through an intermediary. <clears throat> like um, certain uh, religious practices, you've got to go to the priest or the preacher or something like that. No, 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 you can do this. Um, you too can try this at home. You know, let's go directly to the spirit <laughs> animals. So let's, here's how you do this. You know, here's how I do it is take a couple of deep breaths, relax a little bit, and that opens you up to receiving, especially if you let out the exhale a little slower, and that opens up your nervous system a little bit more. And let's try that um, collectively, you and the three of us collectively. Ask the message, ask Raven or two Ravens, What's your message? Okay, ready? On your mark, get set, go, and see what you receive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got so it. Let's see what comes up. Oh, you, oh go. Go, girl. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> um, okay. The first thing I got was, it is for your husband, right? But they were on yeah. the outside looking in. They were on the outside looking in. And part of that message was don't miss what's right in front of you. And also, it's okay to step out into something that feels maybe uncomfortable or loud or obvious, but you've never tried it, but try it. I Mm -hmm. I don't know your husband Mm -hmm. at all, but I felt like that was part of the message for him. Um, A little bit, too, like like they were encouraging, encouraging him to step out of where he was. I think that's mm-hmm. right on the money, Michelle. I do. I yeah, think that's good. that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Change Patricia, consciousness. did you get anything? Or? No, I was just, uh, I'm, I'm kind of not getting anything. But I like what Michelle well, just shared, and I think it does fit. Yeah. It you does know, it fit. Yeah. Like, what did you get, yeah. Stephen? I got uh, a, a weird message, kind of like in, and I get auditory messages. That's how I typically perceive the messages. And it was, I have to think back on it, but it was um, twice the price, twice the fun. And, uh, huh. and let me look at that a little bit more closely. Twice the price that um, you, you've got to pay the price in order to really enjoy life. And it's mm-hmm. not a heavy price. It's actually quite light. And also be aware of your dreams, your visions, etc. They appear in the darkness and allow them to move to the light. Yeah, that's hmm. pretty good. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. those are Twi- that's have, good too. I, I don't quite know what also. I don't quite know what that means. Twice the price, you know, twice the fun. But that's the first thing that popped into my head. 
So, um, okay, bingo, here we go. You know, there's more coming in. You know, download, download. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll put it bluntly. You know, you need to have more fun. Play. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think, in, you know, enjoying with, a, with an optimistic, the optimist versus the pessimist, you know, that's, that's a big one. So, yeah, very interesting. Both you guys had good stuff here, good stuff. <laughs> you know, and I think, Patricia, you know, given, a, I mean, Michelle jumped on it right away. You know, she's like in it right there and even faster than myself. And um, I think you give it a little more time. I would invite you to do that, you know, after the show. Is just take a few moments when you get a quiet time and say, Raven, what's your message? See what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah, you'd be surprised. I will. Or, I, usually I, I have a lot of messages that happily come through. Uh, some of them, like the message I got um, one night, was I had, I'll tell you this, it was, I don't know why this happened, but the week before I left to go to North Carolina, I was doing an article about a spa. I turned to my husband and I said, we're going to have a terrorist attack on American soil. And he burst out laughing. He thought that was the stupidest thing Hmm. I've ever said. And I went down to North Carolina, and the night night before I left, I had a dream about a spirit animal. It was a shark. So here we are back to the shark. Oh, wow. Good one. This shark was as tall as the tallest building. The next morning was 9-11. So there was a spirit animal showing me this is what's going to happen, and it did. So I get these messages a lot, whether they come through dreams or visions. But it's a message from me, and and I think that other message that came through from the Ravens, as much as I enjoyed them, it really wasn't for me. But I love getting messages from animals either in the flesh or in the spirit, and I really believe what – the Native American chief said is true, and what he said was, every animal knows more than you do. I believe that's true. And oh, I think absolutely. the work you're doing yeah. also, Stephen, is so important, especially with children, because it helps them to get a high level of respect right away. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that's been missing, whether it's spirit animals or animals in the flesh, is we need to respect these animals. They're so they're more than intelligent. They know more than we do. They're more connected. And so your work is, I think, incredible. And it's we well, need this. You. We need we need more of you. You should clone yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. More of you oh, doing this work. Few. You know, there's a few of us out there that are doing this work. You know, I'm, I'm just blessed and very grateful to be able to do so because it really is a service. You know, I mean, I... Uh, there's an exchange involved, of course. The books sell, and I get some money and all that. Not that much money from the books, believe me. But um, it's more the, I think the exchange, in one sense, a little more abstract, but nonetheless real. It's just the satisfaction. You know, when someone gets a message by going through these processes that I've described and we've talked about here, uh, it's just delightful. You know, it just makes my heart sing, like, yeah, way to go, way to go. And that's, again, a big part of what I teach, amongst other things. But it's like a steady and very, very consistent sort of a thread that's run through my work since I started. Like I shared the story of writing in this this genre. And really my aim was to take this kind of information and sort of pluck it out of 
shamanism, even though you can't take it away from shamanism, but sort of pluck it out. I remember even that first book, I, it was so clear on what, why I was doing it, is to take the principle that's very shamanic, which is sacred ceremony, and, and move it a little bit closer to mainstream so that even somebody who never heard of shamanism can read it and benefit from it and be able to enact ceremonies in a different way, maybe with a little different slant. You really treat the, the rituals and such as ceremony, you know, sacred ceremony. And then naturally it evolved, you know, to a lot about the spirit animals. Like I said, now it's even, gosh, it extended now to ancestors. You know, I've got a, one of my latest books is Healing Ancestral Karma and my latest Oracle cards, as I mentioned, are messages from the ancestors. So they're, they're, they're not, they're tapping us on the shoulder too. In fact, you know, here's, you want to hear an interesting premise? <laughs> yes, please. We, well, first <laughs> it's easy to, it's really easy to see. We are animals. We're the human animal. We are um, apes that learned to walk on two feet a while back. Who knows? 200,000, 300,000 years ago when that, that one ape got up, walked on two feet, got down on all fours and said, wait a minute, I like the two feet thing better. And the rest is history. How did that happen? How did we get this? Um, I, I call it self-reflective consciousness, you know, where we can look back and we can be aware of ourselves. Where did that come mm-hmm. from? I say, you know, look at, go to YouTube and look at the first few minutes of space Odyssey, 2001 space Odyssey. It's a trip because it's a great metaphor for how, this kind of consciousness was installed and we're not it's not unique i think you made that comment uh patricia you might have made that comment a while ago about dolphins yeah they they're as bright as we are (laughs) you know they're intelligent they're very intelligent beings and seem to have us that sort of self-reflective consciousness but how did it how was it installed in this animal body I think it's whatever explanations you have for it. It is a miracle. It is an absolute awesome miracle to just simply be alive and to be awakening to this connection to the natural world. And we're beginning to see how the ecological shifts and changes that are taking place, you know, with climate change are perhaps making us appreciate that even much more. Hi, Scout. Scout's here. He wants some loves. As if to say, yes, I love you too. Yeah. And there is that exchange with uh, domesticated animals, especially uh, dogs and oh, cats. Yeah. We've got them both here, you know, where they just show you love and you get, you love them. It's either that or they're just happy that we feed them. I'm not sure which. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah. No, they get they yeah. give love. You know, give lots of love and lots of pleasure. Thank God, and brings us close to the animal world by having domesticated pets in that way. It really does you make know? a difference. I think. Yeah, it does. And how mm-hmm. they perceive other animals is interesting to watch. So yeah, it's the whole animal kingdom is such a blessing. And I'm glad that more people are being made aware of how they can work with their own animals and work with spirit animals and and develop a higher consciousness through that relationship. It's wonderful. And 
Yeah. Your most recent book, please give us the name of that again. That one is sure. Personal Tales Animals. of Encounters with Spirit Animals. Is that it? Right. Yeah, headline is Animals. And then the subtitle, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. And I want to say one more piece, you know, before we finish here. I think the other idea I wanted you to introduce is when you are um, gifted with messages from spirit animals, uh, what I'd like to see you do is, uh, based on the principle of, recipro- principle of reciprocity, give back, give back to the animal kingdom in some way. Time, energy, money. There's some organizations out there that are doing just an amazing job. Humane Society of the U.S. is one that comes to mind where they are rescuing animals. You know, they're finding, uh, oh, just doing some tremendous work. Uh, defenders of wildlife, you know, they they focus on the wolves, you know, that have been decimated and to um, reinvigorate uh, the population of wolves. Uh, anyway, the give back, you know, uh, taking care of animals, like I mentioned, you know, the ones we have, that's a give back. And just do that with yeah, the consciousness wonderful. of that, that term mm-hmm. reciprocity. That's yeah, important. That's, that's a wonderful message. Thank you so much for that. It's so important that people do that. I know we, on Supernatural Girls, we give to the elephant foundations that save the elephants Mm. all over the world. And it's a wonderful thing to be a part of, those those animals. We didn't get a chance to talk about them, but they're so magnificent. Dr. Farmer, thank you so much. This has been such an enjoyable evening. Oh, you're very welcome. It really has been. I've had a blast, yeah. Well, you thank you so I much. Appreciate the work you're doing. Yeah, thanks for the work you're doing in the world too. That's we all got to show up, you know, suit up and show up. It's just the way it is, right? Suit now. up and show up. You know, we do our part. <laughs> you do. You do. You guys do. Appreciate <laughs> we try. it. And uh, thanks for having yeah. me as a guest too. And let me just again one men- mention: you want to get more information? There's uh, articles, videos, etc. On my website, dr.stephenparmer.com. So go there. You can find out what I'm up to, sign up for the email list, et cetera. It's good stuff there. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, everybody. And we'll be back next week with another great show. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.